Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. New York strip steak. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome back to another episode of the Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Trey Edwards, and I'm joined by, well, joined always by the kid, <laughs> Jay King, Odak Hill, and uh, Dave DeFore is, you know, here, but also working behind the scenes doing producer things for us today. Uh, we got an interesting rundown. Um, we got breaking the code. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> we're gonna break it. We're gonna break down the code for our listeners, and then we're gonna talk about Game Seven. Um, thank God it's over, but <laughs> we're gonna uh, <laughs> highlight that as well, and then also talk about uh, a new face in Los Angeles. So let's start off, fellas, uh, with breaking the code. Uh, <laughs> this is a term that started with Steve Kirk, correct? Right. Yes. Does anybody know, is this a baseball thing? Like in terms of just the phrasing, breaking the code? I know they have the unwritten rules, but do they have a breaking the code, like the phrase itself? I don't know. It sounds too much like the bro code to me. It's like very, this is a nebulous sort of concept, I think, Mo. But it, it, it has to be, it has to come from the baseball unwritten rules thing. I I assume so. But the breaking the code thing is, is weird. But uh, yeah. All right. It's a new thing I, in the NBA. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I, I've never heard so much code. I mean, this is as much code talk as I've heard since World War II. I don't understand. What's the code? Don't hurt guys. Okay, great. No, yeah, that seems I, like a good I, one. I like that code. I, mean, I, I think but. the definition changed. I think the definitions changed by the playoff series, right? We went from dirty play to having an opinion. Right, because that's what it was. Yeah, Udonis is like, oh, you're breaking the code for picking a team <laughs> that you would likely <laughs> want to play against, or that you're being a fan of the game and saying, hey, you know what? I want to see the Celtics win. <laughs> Maybe because I want to play against them. You know what I mean? But like Udonis said, oh, I couldn't sleep at night. You know, you fired our guys up. Thanks for the motivation. You broke the code. <laughs> I, do I don't even think UD even knew what breaking the He probably heard about it and was like, all right, I'm going to use it because <laughs> this is this is the hot word. No, just I like feel how, like this, just, is, this is just Udonis, man. Like, this is just classic Udonis has him. He stays mad about something. If he's not mad about one thing, it's going to be something else. If he's not using motivation from one thing, he's going to be using motivation from, from something else. Like, if if it had been anyone else, I, I feel like Udonis is like a a code 
code decipherer. <laughs> I he, thought he, he wrote it. He's he been around long enough. I thought I thought he's he's written it. He's been around so long. He wrote the right. Vinci code. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Draymond didn't do anything out of left field. He he's employed by TNT. He was on their post game show. They asked him for a, what was going to happen, and he just said the Celtics, who were up three two at that time, were going to win. Like it wasn't a crazy prediction at all. It was pretty mathematically probable. I would and, and imagine would really, if it was really imagine if crazy. it was game two. Yeah, right. And he like, said, Hey, give me your pick, Dave Dufour. Give me your pick, Modakil. Like, think about that. You're not allowed to do anything anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've been arguing with people on Twitter, and I shouldn't for the past two hours about whether it's a good shot or a bad shot. And we're gonna talk about that in game seven, but you're not allowed to have an opinion and i think that's the toxic thing about sports right now just like, more importantly more importantly i just want to know the celtics reaction when they heard that just going like god damn it Dan, do we really need, did well, you they really probably need to give miami the jinx right <laughs> did you need to give miami more extra motivation like it wasn't they were even probably had, just happy it wasn't the charles barkley guarantee oh i mean that's that thing is unbelievable man that's the 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 hex of all hexes if, if barkley guarantees it it's over bet against it um, but I just, it wasn't just UD though, but didn't PJ Tucker throw something out there as well? Saying something, not breaking the code, but like, thanks Draymond, you know, like a little extra motivation. I just found it funny. I mean, more I than anything those, else is funny. Yeah. All those guys were really paying too much attention and and maybe what they mean is Draymond broke the podcaster code, which we all know <laughs> experienced podcasters never actually give a take. You give all the takes. That's how you spread it across the shows, right? See, Draymond, as he, you know, gets his feet more wet in this field, he'll pick that up. And, and then he won't get called out by other players for breaking the code. I do feel like guys dipping their toes into podcasts and in Draymond's case, actually being employed by TNT and having like a double career sets the stage for more things like this to happen where you're going to say something that, that rubs someone on another team the wrong way. Like Dr Draymond goes on his podcast and breaks down the games, like right. breaks down playoff games. And and so I, I do think we're approaching an area where not necessarily code breaking will happen more often, but like guys will have more opportunities to take motivation from what other guys say just because guys are talking more and more on their own forums. I mean, right, oh, the like fourth wall is coming down. Yeah, and you know, CJ has has his podcast, right? Does he still have pull up? Uh, but you know, yeah, he has he does, his podcast. He does pull up. Okay, and then um, you know, JJ even before he was out, before he was retired, had his podcast going. I think you're right, Jay, in the sense of like we're gonna see more of this. I love it though. It's more fun with this. Like let's let's allow the guys to have some personalities there and stuff and look man they gave it, draymond gave us some uh some fun to have to start this podcast before we get into the uh the, the two-hour battle that trey's having right now on the uh, <laughs> game seven well you know now uh ud can just go on duncan robinson's podcast and, and he can you know respond this is this is how this works right it's a podcast battle should we have a three-point percentage minimum you have to hit you know, or, or something to like be able to get on a Must podcast. Play this like, wouldn't have a podcast. In that. <laughs> All right, minutes, <laughs> minutes played. Like we got to have something, right? Like you, it's got, let's have a little bit of a, you know, 
not everybody gets one. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna guys, take away Duncan guys, Robinson's yes, podcast guys, we're, now. Guys, we're breaking the code talking about podcasters right now. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, sorry. Let's talk about this game seven, man. So you know, do or die for both teams. Um, weird series overall. And Jay, you could speak closely to that since you're covering, you know, the Celtics. Um, what what was going on going into that game? Oh yeah, it was just another physical series that the Celtics have played. That's that's two now in a row where they've gone seven games where they've needed to win a huge game on the road, game six in Milwaukee and game seven in Miami. It was a weird series because like there weren't really many close moments. It was, it was either one team was really in control or the other team was really in control. Uh, But it kind of ended in, in what I thought was very fitting fashion where the Celtics controlled the game the whole time, basically. And then over a two-minute stretch, <laughs> just longer than that. Just longer lost than that. It. Three, oh, three, three minutes, and a half 30, minutes. Three I would minutes, go thirty-five seconds. They went ahead <laughs> thirteen, and then didn't score for more than three minutes, and kept giving up layup after layup in transition. And, and Jimmy Butler's pull-up three, man. I, I I don't know if I've ever felt like that during a game where I was like, Oh my God, like this dude just decided to take a shot. And while it was in the air, I was like, just thinking to myself, Oh my God, like whether it goes in, whether it does not, this ending is going to leave one team just scarred. And it did not go in. I, I mean, we could talk about whether it was the right play in that moment, but I felt like he he had played 48 minutes. He probably would have been extremely gassed if the game went into overtime. The Heat were just clawing and, and trying to, to get there. And then the other part of it, like it's, it's tough to produce a good two-point look against the Celtics, and he had a really good pull-up three look. And no matter what the percentages say, like, that's a pretty decent shot in that moment to go ahead by one. I I don't blame him for taking the shot at all. I listen, one, everybody's tired. Everybody always says Jimmy played 48 minutes and he played a crap ton, played 47 or 46 a game, uh, game six as well. So did Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum played 46 minutes in this game. Like when everybody just says, Jimmy's tired. They're all fucking tired, guys. They've gone through. And for the, the, the Celtics, this is the second seven-game series. They're all exhausted. They're all beat up, all that stuff. So the one thing about, like, Jimmy's exhausted, I think none of them had. It would have been the ugliest overtime had we seen it. And we, we might have gotten four made baskets in the total of that overtime with how tired everybody was and how terrible the Celtics were running offense. But the – for me, the thing is with it is, and I get it, and I understand what Jimmy did with the shot and things like that and this stuff. I, for me, I want him going to the rim. My reaction when he stopped the pull up while you're freaking out, Jay, uh, thinking like, oh my God, was more just, oh no, you know, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was a great opportunity. I didn't feel at any point when he shot that, that's going in. And everybody's going to say, like, well, if it went in, Mo would have been going nuts. No, I would have just said, damn, he made a bad shot. Great job. Um, but I think you need to just go at Horford. I, for me, I just think in that instance, you have a better opportunity at least trying to get to the rim. I think that's more Jimmy's game. He's only taken two transition three pull-up threes 
in the in the series, both in game seven, made the first one in the first half and then missed this one. And, and, and you know, and, I, again, I, I look, they're not in that position without Jimmy Butler. And I mean, game six, all of game seven. Right. And so I don't want to. Like, I don't think anyone should really be piling on Jimmy Butler for that shot. Like, it, hey, is it a shot Absolutely that, that not. you want? They're not no. even in that position yeah, if, they don't, exactly. if, if, he, if he doesn't I, he and, do what and, he do. And Jimmy Butler earned the right to be able to take that shot. And, and now I will say this. In hindsight, and uh, obviously with the television replay and us with, with this bird's eye view of the court, it looks different. And we're not in the moment. But I would have loved to see him – Push Horford to the basket, and especially with the way – I mean, those referees, man, they had the, the whistles locked and loaded. That was an and-one opportunity, I thought, for Jimmy Butler because he had Horford on his heels. Give and Scott Foster his chance. Give That's Scott right. Foster his chance. Dave, stop making sense. Stop <laughs> making sense. Listen, but with that being said, I don't want to take away from what Jimmy did. And if he had hit the shot, hey, man, it's an all-timer. It's an all-timer Listen, no, if he makes No, it. he made people care about him again this series. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, people were like, you know, uh, pretty much like looking at it like, oh, man, you know, like Jimmy Butler, is he a top 10 player? Like those conversations began because of this series, you know, again, over overall or, hey, let's start talking about Jimmy Butler because this might be his second finals in three years. You know what I mean? Like that he can break through this stratosphere of superstar talk or all star talk, you know, consecutive or whatever. And these things of nature. But we get down to this game and. You know, I, I woke up with it on my mind because as a former player, I'm just so frustrated because there were the last two minutes was frustrating from both sides. It was a very low, key, low IQ basketball situation where teams are tired. They're going to make dumb mistakes. And Boston was trying to give it away to him. Yeah. So now you get this rebound. Jimmy's pushing it. I'm thinking like, OK, you got Horford. Horford's playing that. He's playing him to shoot it. He backs off. He protects home. Go ahead. Shoot it. Cause I know you ain't got legs. Cause if you drive by me, maybe you get contact and you get to the line, you shoot those two. But I woke up giving him the benefit of the doubt. I said, 11 seconds. I don't know if I want to take that shot. Jimmy made that shot in the third quarter. And I understand he makes those shots. So it's not a bad shot to Jimmy, but in that particular situation with no legs playing 40 plus minutes. And now you're trying to make things go for your, like you said, the, the, the reps were locked and loaded. They're just waiting for contact at this point. You're, you're an all-star, so you're going to get an all-star call. You're going to get an all-star call and you're a vet on the big stage. And yet you bail them out with 17.9 left, not 11. I spared them. I spared them six seconds. 17.9. Right. Um, uh, so John Schumann from NBA.com had an interesting find. and. Not a fine, but he pointed it out that it was almost the exact same situation as the game seven that Jimmy Butler played against Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors when he was with Philadelphia. And Kawhi missed a free throw in that game. Right. I remember that. And it was a two-point game. J Jimmy comes down in transition. Attack Serge Ibaka gets the layup. And, of course, we know what happens after that. Kawhi hits the shot that bounces 19,000 times on the rim. Still bouncing. And then falls in. And so you do wonder if that played into the calculus a little bit. It, it was definitely a little different situation. Serge Ibaka didn't have him lined up. Jimmy was able to get an angle on him, whereas Horford was, was right in front. 
but you do wonder if that played into the calculus a little bit where he thought, okay, if I hit a three, we go ahead, um, put some game pressure on them, gives us a chance to end this in, in regulation. And if I hit a two, best case scenario, we go to overtime. Worst case scenario, I have my heart ripped out again, this time probably by Jason Tatum. So I, mean, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm sure he probably wasn't calculating all that in his head as, as the play unfolded. But it was really, really interesting that two game sevens in two super high profile situations, almost the exact same scenario happened for Jimmy Butler. He was amazing, by Could the way. Could you like, imagine? Could you imagine stop. being inside of the control center of Jimmy Butler's head? <laughs> it's like the like, movie Inside Out. Jimmy, like, like, like we're inside and we're just looking at it like, oh, it's Jimmy Butler time, right? He can hit that button, or he can be like, oh, there's another option where he hits the button. And it's like, go ahead, drive. Or you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Jimmy, you're exhausted. You know what? Retired. Like, let's just end it here. You know what I mean? Like. No, there's also I will say this, right? Like a guy like Jimmy Butler, who doesn't really shoot threes during the regular season, and then come playoff time, he just takes them. I mean, this is not the first time we've seen him. Yeah, and exactly who it is, and he shot better from three in the playoffs, slightly. You know, he's shooting like thirty four percent. He's not Steph Curry or anything. And he hit four of them in Game Six. Yeah, so from a confidence standpoint. Maybe he was just like, you know what? I feel it. I feel it. But he looked off balance to me. I thought he was going a little fast. But either way, man, to get hung up on that one play, and I know we are going to because it's what we do, I I just – I'm trying to pull myself back from that and say, you know what, man? Look at the rest of what he did in those two games. I mean, it's pretty pretty remarkable. And it took took their role players a, a quarter and a half to score their second bucket. Yeah, they for, were for, for I think it was 18 minutes. Gabe Vincent's four point play was their only field goal outside of Butler and Adebayo, and yeah. and Butler like it was a 17 point game at one point in the second quarter. Butler was the only reason it was only 17, and then he was the only reason it became six at the end of the second quarter. He was just relentless. He was attacking the Celtics, which has. They have the best defense in the league. They could not keep him off the line. They could not keep him from getting to his spots. For two games, he was just spectacular. And, and so that, that should absolutely not get lost in the discussion over that last play, which is obviously an easy one to debate. I, the, the one other thing too, Spo should not have called the timeout. Like going in transition was the right decision because you said it, Jay, yeah. like, there was no play they could draw up that would have been, you know, a, a, a better scenario than Jimmy Butler versus Al Horford in the way that the Celtics were playing defense. And on the, the play before when Max Struess hits the three, that was a wild ass play on its own right. You know, because Struess is supposed to hand that off to Lowry. He just thought he had some space and cashed one in. And that was wild in its own right. But like they were struggling in the half court all game long against all the series, Celtics. all series. And, and so, like, if it comes down to one possession, like you said, Mo, you don't want to. You don't want that set defense from Boston. No. Yeah, it was. I mean that that was actually to me when I think back on this series. That's what I'm going to think about, guys. Is I'm going to think about these two defenses and the way they muck things up. And then Mo, I know that you're going to do. You're going to be thinking about that Boston offense and what the hell happened to it at the end of the game, man. What like they just quit running plays? They run into the the delay. This burning clock thing 
And every time they do it, and it's it, we've had this across multiple games, other series, every, every time they do it, they let the team back in. It's just like, yo, just run your offense. Like winding down the clock to the final 10 seconds before you start getting into it is to me, it's just like guaranteeing like, hey, we're getting a contested shot. Hope we can make it, you know, and then part of it, too. And and we should say this, they got some good looks because Marcus Smart was wide open. They just stopped guarding Marcus for the, for the most part in the last two minutes. And he had some clean looks. My favorite one was when they attacked early. Brown drives in the paint, kicks it to Horford. Horford swings it to Smart. Smart's got to shoot that. It's a wide open three. He misses it. But like that was offense. Get that going more they- in those final couple minutes. They had a similar yeah, play like that right out right out of the halftime break, and it was it was funny because the thing that stood out to me, and, and I had it in my notes from the first half, was, man, Marcus Smart is taking some dumb shots, early shot clock. They weren't really running much. It was almost like going for the knockout when when Boston had the lead, and you know, Jay, I, like, I don't know, Mo, Mo and I text so much during these games that we we tend to get frustrated about the same stuff, and that's one of them. Man, it was like. Why yeah. does Boston go away from the stuff that actually works? Yeah, and and my thing is like, if Marcus Smart getting a three is the last thing that's available, fine, like that's okay. He he's a good enough shooter. At the end of a shot clock, if you get to that, cool. But like you guys, I had a problem with especially two of the threes he took with like 10 seconds left on the shot clock, try to get something better. That's where he's grown the most, I think, is being able to turn down a shot like that and and being able to, to drive instead and get something else for somebody that's a higher percentage look. And I just felt like when when they went into prevent mode, it was just, okay, Jason Tatum's going to accept a double team. The ball's going to find Marcus Smart, who the Heat were doubling off, and they didn't even try to get anything better, and they need to clean that up. Um, they can't revert to that in key moments. Like They, they need to find a way to, to use that double team, and, and they're great at it most, most of the time, is using that double to get smart in the seams to make a play for somebody else. And but during that stretch, it was just he was spotted up and he was going for kill shots. And the the ones with 10 seconds left on the shot clock were just really bad shots in that situation because you don't want to let the defense off the hook like that with that much time left on the shot clock in that situation. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match this offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer uh let's talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum right played exceptionally well in this series um a lot you know over the years people were yelling split them up it's never going to work they're never going to get to you know the promised land and things of that nature you know Jalen wants to be a number one guy uh Jason doesn't like him or you know what I mean like this that and the third and here they are playing in their first we're getting ready to play in their first NBA finals together, you know, um, especially, um, and also having a phenomenal turnaround. I think they were what 26 and 26 J before turning it to 26 and five. Yeah. They were in 11th place on January 16th, which is that's crazy. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable, man. That, I mean, that's, that doesn't get talked about even as much as it gets talked about, but not even as much as it should freaking Disney movie. That's just the ability to kind of just rise up through the standings and everything like that there that's just an unbelievable turnaround like left them for dead jay i was texting you when they were going on their run early in this going like what the hell's going on and you're like oh they're just playing bad teams right like we just nobody <laughs> believed nobody believed in them <laughs> nobody believed in them even when they're going on that nobody. run you know the fact they're in the finals is is really impressive across the board for for what they've done it was and like Tatum- overnight they just got much better habits and and they 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 bought in and they started moving without the ball. They started getting off the ball when they got doubled as, as soon as it happened, they started, I mean, obviously the, the, the trades that they made to get Derek white, especially mattered. And I think he, he fit them and gave them another ball mover and, and gave them another connector. Um, but a lot of it was just their key guys buying in and and doing more to impact winning and and i think that shows a lot about what jason tatum and jalen brown are about um and i think that even even when they were struggling earlier in the season it wasn't because they they didn't want to play the right way it was just they were they were fumbling with how to do it you know and and I mean, to, to see them now and even that that fourth quarter, you know, I, I thought even that spoke to Tatum's progression because he hits the step back three. He hits the shot at the end of the shot clock over Jimmy Butler. Where that was such he a, made a crazy great move. Shot. Yeah, wow. with two seconds left in the shot clock to to create as much separation as he did. It was just unbelievable. But the doubles came and he just got got off of it. 
and Marcus Smart didn't make the right plays. The Celtics didn't handle it right around him, but he he was just willing to trust the offense, and and that's that's where he's grown. That's where they've grown. Um, so yeah, I I I could not tell you I expected this in January. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and they've had a tough path too. Like it it was Kevin Durant in round champs, one. It was man. Giannis in yeah, round two. It, and now. You know, Miami, that defense could just rough you up. And that offense could just rough you up. Never mind the defense. (laughs) Bam and Jimmy are coming at you. And Kyle Lowry is doing what he can to draw a foul. It's too bad Lowry wasn't healthy because that that could have changed the the whole complexion of the series. Uh, He just wasn't right the whole time. Still still made some gritty plays, but he just wasn't right. But, yeah, Yeah. Tatum and Brown – like they've been have through it, a lot. They've been through a anyone, lot together. Has anybody seen a, a Jordan and Pippen Photoshop of of Tatum and Brown yet? Because I feel like that's coming, right? Like this feels. Think about they it. Gotta win it yeah, they gotta win right, it first. Yeah, yeah, they gotta win it first. Well, but ninety one, right? Ninety one. You know, I saw my friend Bo Estes uh, was talking about this. This has a little bit of shades in ninety one, right? Like, I mean, and, and Trey, you're a Bulls fan. You were you old enough to remember when when Jordan couldn't get over the Pistons and then they finally make the finals? I, I mean, I remember as a kid thinking that the Lakers were probably going to beat the Bulls. I was like, ah, well, at least they made it. So I mean, what if the, what if the actually, Celtics can the beat the year? I was going to say ninety one is the actual year I became Bulls fan. Oh, there was, you go. Well, that was, was a good year. Uh, six and a, six, you know, six and a half. But um, you know, just kind of locked in. I mean, obviously, revision in history. Oh you yeah, know, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan's playing very, uh, very selfish, and decided to start trusting his teammates, and obviously started to get past those those humps. And um, yeah, no, for sure. So like in this particular situation, Tatum became a playmaker. He's starting to, you know, become a complete basketball player, defending, you know, which we've seen in the Brooklyn Nets um, series, and and so on. And um, that it, it it showed. You know what I mean? He became a better leader, and I think other guys got in line but then also having a veteran like Al Horford around you know what I mean having guys like Marcus Smart you know step in and become the defensive player of the year not saying that he's not in that conversation every year but this year he was everything for them for them you know on the defensive end and then it was contagious because guys wanted to do it having guys like Peyton Pritchard be ready to play you know what I mean and I think that's the confidence that you know, that Portland coaching staff, it's ironic, obviously Maine and, 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 and Portland, Oregon, you know, over there in that, in that situation. And so, you know, the, the similarities in the situation of, um, you know, he may trust in Peyton got, you know, drafting Peyton for one, but then also having uh confidence to throw Peyton out there and make big plays throughout the season, you know, and obviously he has been very sparingly in the playoffs and hasn't been used as much, but, you know, just having that uh, Dame Stoudemire being there and Aaron Miles and all these, you know, Portland greats, you know what I mean? Like he Guys he trusts in the trenches, you know what I mean? Like he's he's been able to have built a relationship and it's kind of been reflective with his players, you know what I mean? And they've all bought in, you know, it's going back to Jalen Brown's tweet. I think it's a good energy. I think people are scared to root for the Celtics out loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> going into this series. Um, because the Warriors are a championship pedigree team, but then also the Boston Celtics have been a championship pedigree team. Shouts to Nate Jones been screaming that the Celtics would make it to the finals um, in the past two months. 
I was thinking he was damn crazy in his head, but he was right. Um, I don't know if it's <laughs> a Jalen Brown bias or, you know, he was talking about, you know, I don't know Robert Williams go by Time Lord anymore, but how important Time Lord was. Um, I think this is going to be a damn good matchup between the Golden State Warriors. No disrespect to the Heat fans. Um, you know, I know they were like, why not us? But the fans really, I mean, I seen Laker fans rooting for the Celtics last night just because of the like viewership going into the finals. They want to see these two teams match up. Um, and, you know, overall, as a fan, you cannot look at this on paper and say, this potentially could be a good seven game series, you know what I mean? Cause both teams check out, you know, you got the young guys and um, Jalen and, and uh, Jason, and then you got, you know, the seasoned veterans and Steph, you know, Draymond and Clay, and then also Jordan Poole who potentially can find his groove again. He was a little bit quiet last series. Um, so this, this has the makings of being something special. I'm going to be mad if we record this and game one's a blowout and the Warriors beat. They, you know. <laughs> I'll say, but I'll say this, but I'll say this. That's really in play just on the pure fact of these dudes are tired. Like this is, you know, and, and, and even if game one's a blowout, I wouldn't even consider that the, the, the challenge of the, the, the end of the series there. I oh yeah. Think, no, it's always game. One's game always two is game, game one. Right. And right? I think, and yeah. well, just cause I think also we're going to see Pritchard get a lot more minutes in this, in game one. I think we're even going to see Tice to a degree, depending on what's going on with Robert Williams's health. But I think they just need them almost like a middle relief, uh, pitcher in baseball, right? They need somebody to eat some minutes to buy these guys some rest for what they've just kind of gone through. And I think that's going to be something with game one, like is going to be interesting to me, but I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, man, they, they're gassed. And I don't know how much I'm going to take away from game one, but it's going to be a, hopefully a great series. If the Celtics win this in five, can we call Al Horford modern day Bill Cartwright? Is that too far? <laughs> Dave's just trying you, to cause you in the today. Bulls. You and the Bulls comparison. I will say, though, that the trade for Al Horford, swapping Kemba Walker for Al Horford, gave the Celtics an identity. And and it didn't t- obviously take form at the beginning of the season. But they decided to put Marcus Smart at point guard, and they decided to use Al Horford at power forward. And that gave them a huge, super versatile defense with size at every single position that has just proven to be extremely difficult for anyone to score on. And Smart's not a perfect offensive point guard, but he's done well enough in that role. And then Jason Tatum handles a lot of those responsibilities anyway. Um, but I, I felt like that really reshaped their identity. Now I'm, I, I am really looking forward to the clash between Golden State's, all of Golden State's shooting versus all of Boston's size because I I think the size from Boston could be a lot for Golden State to deal with but also obviously chasing Clay and Steph and Jordan Poole and then having to deal with Draymond and Wiggins on top of all that is is a, a bear an absolute bear and totally different from the last two series for the Celtics where the Bucks and the Heat were just very limited, extremely limited with what they could do in the half court. And the Warriors are as good in the half court as anyone. I mean, I think I think Trey's point about Robert Williams kind of being the swing piece. I think that 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 was a great point. I mean, if he's really the guy that makes that defense ultra elite, 
And if he is limited, which hopefully he's not, I mean, you know, four days off and, and almost a, what is it? A week off between game seven and game two. Right. So hopefully at least by game two, these guys are, are they have their legs under them. Robert Williams is healthy. Marcus Smart is totally healthy. And we can actually see what this series is going to be. So yeah, before we, I was going to say before we get out of here, um, let's hear some predictions. Mo, who do you got? See, you're always trying to cause problems, Trey. Um, I we, we got to break the code. <laughs> I think I actually think it's uh, going before this, before Friday. I thought the Celtics would win a series. I think now just because they had to go to Game Seven for a second time around, I think the Warriors will find a way to pull this out in Game Seven. Dave, who you got? Uh, you know what? I got Warriors in six, and part of it is the same thinking with Mo. I, I think the Celtics are starting behind the eight ball from an energy and a rest perspective. The, the Warriors are well-rested. They're going to be healthier. Gary Payton II is coming back. Just feels like that first game, and especially Boston having to fly cross-country. Let's not forget that. They are traveling first, too. And so I just think that first game, it's set up for the Warriors to just – run over them, although we do know that the Warriors sometimes like to play with their food too much. But I, I think the Warriors ultimately too much talent and and energy and rest is on their side, Warriors in six. Jay. I think I, I was gonna say Celt- Jay, are you allowed to give it? Are you allowed? <laughs> well, that's breaking the code. I, I I've got Celtics in six. I think you know I have never respected a team more than this Warriors core. But I just think it's going to be a lot to ask of Steph, Poole, and this version of Clay to deal with all of Boston's size. And I think, you know, Wiggins being their only wing with size right now, as Otto Porter's banged up, as Andre Iguodala is DMP old, as as just their roster isn't the same as it was with the versatility a couple of years ago. I, I think that matters a lot in this particular matchup. Um, I do think the Celtics will, their defense won't look nearly as good against Golden State as it has in the last couple of series. But I, I just think they're too big and too big with talented guys uh, for Golden State to deal with. It's This is a tough series to call in general. To me, it is going to be a toss-up. Like, I think there's a lot of variables, health and things like that, that are going to play a role in this as well. So for me, it's it's a toss-up. But, Jay, they can't turn the ball over the way they have. And, it's, yeah, you know, that's, it, that's, they've just killed themselves sometimes. It's just it's it's something that really worries me. Even Brown last night in game seven had four turnovers and coughed up the ball. Like, those are the things. If the Warriors get out running and get some pace to it, man, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Great point, Mo. Um, the Warriors are a championship pedigree team that takes advantage of low IQ plays. So, you know what I mean? It could either be exposed or they can actually take advantage of it. My personal pick, I'm not going to go against, um, I learned my lesson, riding a hot hand and choosing the last series. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. Sorry, Boston. Um, I do like the, the, the storyline that I've created today about Boston giving black coaches an opportunity to flourish. And hey, track record shows that black coaches have won championships, except uh friend of the show, 
Rob Lopez pointed out it was one black coach. I forgot his name. I can't even think about him right now. <laughs> but he was he was terrible at his job at a particular time. So we're gonna exclude that's, that. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna that's exclude why you him forgot his I'm, name. That's this, why you forgot his name. This unnamed Dre. black man was awful at his job. Yeah, nah. It was it was really stay on I'm agenda, Trey. To, Come on. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Warriors in six. Um, this is going to be the battle of the X Factors. I think this series depends on how well Clay plays. Um, and then also on the Celtic side, how well, you know, if Marcus Smart and Robert Williams steps up for them. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, moving along. Let's talk about the Lakers. <laughs> I know I didn't feel like saying that because the season's not over yet and I think there should be no Laker talk until the season's over. But... um the Lakers have hired a new coach, Darvin Ham. Mo, what do you think about the hire? I like it. I mean, I think this is one of those things with, you know, Darvin's been due for a job for quite a while. I think this is the more, uh, you know, like available guys, not great options out there in terms of coaching uh, opportunities or uh, coaching candidates. But I think the, uh, the thing is for me is, it's all about getting just the sign off from guys. It seems like LeBron with his tweet was super excited about it. And I think he's, he's all in on Darvin ham, but I think the, the thing about it is anytime a guy gets his first job as a head coach, I'm always like, Hey, that's great. I'm curious to see what he does. Cause we don't really have the track record of what he is as a head coach, right? When you slide over from being the assistant to the head coach, it's a, it's a big step up a lot of different decisions and things like that, but I like it. I think this is a good, uh, good opportunity there for the uh the lakers and 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 i like it let's let's see where it goes now they still got a rat shit roster though it's is it weird to you mo that they're bringing in a guy as a first-time coach i mean i know and darvin uh you know seth part now uh on nerder has sung his praises for a couple of years now 
saying that he's a guy who needs an opportunity. But, you know, first-year coaches and in this scenario, like I don't know, man. This wasn't where I expected him to go. Do, do we think that the Lakers situation made it so that higher-profile coaches did not want the job? Because they just did Frank Vogel dirty. They did him absolutely dirty. They hung him out to dry. They fired him before his press conference of his final game and didn't tell him about it. They didn't give him a proper extension even after he won a title. They totally mishandled that the whole time. There were leaks about the the dis, how disgruntled they were with him even early in the season after they set him up with a dog shit roster that just never fit and had Players so many issues play. everywhere, whether it was young guys who just w- aren't good or old guys who aren't good anymore. And so I, I do think that some of the top coaches in the game the the guys like like a Mike D'Antoni or something probably looked at that and thought, nah. <laughs> like, well, like I don't think D'Antoni would have had flashbacks. Man. They're not. They weren't going back to D'Antoni after his 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 run with the for, Lakers for the sure. But I'm just saying the established guys, the guys who who, who else was who else that's, who else that's available available and, and Terry, Terry Stotts. Right, but like who? Well, I'm saying like what other established name available is out there? Like Doc Rivers has a job; they were interested. Mark Jackson, Snyder, man. And, and okay, the other I mean, part that's, of this, that's one guy they interviewed. I'm they not didn't. saying I'm not saying that he should have got it to the finalists, but, but I mean, yeah, but they weren't. But the, they didn't like what he had to say. Clearly, in the interview, right? Like he got an interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, for yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, I look at it like this, right? LeBron co-signed Darwin's. You know, like that was one of the guys that he wanted, and. Obviously, that was the best choice, obviously, compared to Terry Stotts. Um, and I think you make an interesting point for a first-year coach to be coached, you know what I mean, to be coaching LeBron James. Um, even though Darvin has been a part of the Lakers organization as assistant coach and has had some, you know, championship experience with the Bucks and can definitely, you know, bring some new fresh air, those veteran players are going to have to be willing to um, be coachable. And it reminds me of Billy Donovan going to Oklahoma City, right? Where you had Durant, you had Westbrook, you had some other vets on that team. And it's like, you're running some damn good sets, but like, do they want to do it? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Because that's what it's going to boil down to. How can you make Russell Westbrook be the best Russell Westbrook in this part of his career? You know what I mean? How can you make LeBron James buy into whatever philosophy you have not saying that he can't he's just never been challenged in so long to a point where he has been you know i think spo was probably one of the coaches that pushed back a little bit and allowed himself to be able to coach lebron you know what i mean in the past you've seen lebron like he he's he's known for his iq and he's also known for making his own plays out there so it's interesting when you're not using the team the right way. And, you know, Frank Vogel was able to bring them one ring. And I think that was a job well done in that situation. Go ahead, uh, Dave. Yeah, well, I, that's a, I think it's a good point. Are they going to play the right way? Mo, how would you coach this team? I mean, like, this is, this is my question, right? Like, what is the system? I mean, is it just give LeBron the ball? 
hope AD is healthy and then everything else works itself out? Well, I mean, like getting a healthy AD goes a long way for the team. Like, let's just yeah. not kind of deny that. Part, I don't want right? to gloss like, it over it. Yeah. But it's been it's been two years, though, right? Like it's you know, we know the the struggles with the playing after the bubble, all that stuff, everything like that. Get it. So that's key. But I think what the first thing you got to focus on is the defense and the defensive effort. And I think that's the thing you got to lock in if you're you're Darvin Ham, and it's getting all the guys to buy in on the defensive end. You can figure out the offense with LeBron, with AD, who knows who else is going to be on the roster. I still think there's going to be a lot of changes, even if you have Westbrook back. You can find something and put something together because, listen, LeBron's still really damn good, you know, as old as he is. Incredibly. We might get we still might get some fall off, but ultimately, like you're going to see something. I think the first place you got to start if you're Darvin Ham is getting everybody to commit defensively because that's been their just terrible stuff. They were terrible. It was it was a tough watch just how they were playing defensively. But that's on the front office to me. Yeah, they, they need to find guys with IQ who are young enough to still run around. <laughs> well, they got rid of their three best defenders last year. I mean, they got rid of Caruso, KCP, and Kuzma. And those were three guys that would have – I mean, that's a dip, that's, those are difference makers for that team. Yeah, for sure. And, and they just – they didn't have the length. They didn't have athleticism. They didn't have – like any any of that the the IQ piece was missing like that roster is just so bad and honestly if if they don't overhaul the roster if they aren't able to find more versatile pieces if they aren't able to find a little more shooting then they're setting up Darvin Ham to fail and and he's in the mold of some coaches who have had a lot of success Lately, Ime Udoka and Willie Green come to mind, guys who were tough role players during their careers and went through, you know, a whole lot of different experiences under some great coaches as assistants. So from that standpoint, you you like the hire, but it's a really tough situation for Darvin Ham to walk into because there are the expectations of being the Lakers and the expectations of coaching LeBron and Anthony Davis, but also all the problems of a situation that just went sideways for such obvious reasons last season that had nothing to do with coaching. I'm just pissed off. Kurt Rambis didn't get the job. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I want Linda Rambis on the side. I'll tell you, uh, how do you feel about Anthony Davis in the pinch post, Mo? I mean, I I don't know if he's got the passing chops uh, for it. I, I um, mean, you know. Uh, am I the only one, by the way, that still I, – I know I'm old. Am I the only one that the sec, every single time I hear the name Darvin Ham, I think about him breaking the backboard in the NCAA tournament? Like, I, this is how old we are, or at least me. I mean, it, not first think thing. About, I think about 2004 Pistons first. Yeah, you know, I, I think but, I mean, what happened in Richmond, though. So I don't you know, I don't I don't have a lot of Darvin Ham memories. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, he, Darvin Ham was actually the card that you get when you open the pack. Like, oh, no. Dang, OK, I got a Darvin Ham. You're like you're like all, <laughs> all, all excited. All excited. To open. Them. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, like oh, Damn, I got, Randy got, Br- I got the got Randy Brown Darvin card. Ham cards. <laughs> <laughs> I got three already. You know what, I mean? what am I doing? Um, no. <laughs> 
so and alvin williams again damn it um so yeah that's 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 pretty much it i think that's how we wrap it up there and uh you know until next time tune into all our uh podcasts on the athletic nba network um we got nerder she wrote the daily dean is the daily dean gonna be running daily we're, we're gonna have the daily, daily ding look daily ding post daily game ding. after every show daily ding ish right. yeah so <laughs> da- daily ish so, so so the finals version of daily ding um uh, uh wrote, um points of contention tampering tampering we're now we're just naming we're gonna start naming players now <laughs> Tony Graffanino. At this point, tell a friend and tell a friend to subscribe to the athletic uh, uh, review rate, and uh, that's it. baseball fans this is Derek Van Riper now that spring training games are underway opening day is just a few weeks away Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on rates and barrels whether you're a seasoned fantasy player a baseball stats junkie or just someone who wants to learn more about the game join us for four episodes each week this season including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.